0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. Is Trinity Sunday, a very glorious uh, feast day. And just briefly, the, the logic of why this feast day falls when it does is that we're sort of at the conclusion in the liturgical year of God's full revelation of Himself as the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if you think back to Advent, the start of the liturgical year, in a way you could say that part of the focus in the season of Advent is on the figure of God the Father throughout the Old Testament, sort of preparing the way to send His Son, and then at Christmas we have the revelation of the second person of the Trinity in the Incarnation. The Son takes on flesh, comes to earth, and then throughout Lent and Easter, all the way up to the Ascension, we focus on the second person of the Trinity, the Son. And then finally, last weekend on Pentecost, is the revelation of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So, logically, at the conclusion of this whole cycle, the church places a feast to help us meditate on this glorious reality of God revealing Himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the highest mystery of our faith. It's the one you could argue that's most worth contemplating. And oftentimes, I think we're a bit intimidated to sort of study. About the Trinity, to sort of contemplate the Trinity, like, oh, it's, it's too complicated, it's too complex. But, but I would urge you, with all the force of my being, to, <laughs> to meditate on this reality of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even the most uneducated saints were given lights by God in their prayer to, to, to know Him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in, in deep and profound ways so we should spend some time in our prayer reflecting on this reality. We should study the Catechism section of the Trinity. Um, there's nothing more worth thinking about in this life than the nature of God Himself. Um, but today, in a special way, I, I want to kind of reflect with all of you on how the human person made in the image and likeness of God means that within ourselves, we are going to reflect God's inner life, if you will, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in different ways. And there are many different thinkers throughout church history that have reflected on the question, how does the human person image God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? There is what's sometimes called a a social analogy, or or, or, more simply put, just marriage. Marriage in a special way is an image of the Trinity. won't go into that. There's also something that was developed in a particular way by St. Augustine in the early church, which is often called the Psychological Analogy of the Trinity. I'm not going to go into that either, but it's very beautiful and wonderful how sort of the soul and the activity of the soul images God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But today I, I want to reflect a little bit on how the movements of love, it's one way to put it. The different movements of love within the Trinity uh, sort of give us an example, sort of a sign to us of the different movements of love that we require as human beings to be fulfilled, to find fulfillment in this life. If we are an image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in the Trinity there are different sort of movements of love, we will only find fulfillment in this life if we find our way into these different movements of love, if you will, if if we reflect those. The first one is the movement of the Father to the Son, right? The eternal begetting of the Son, the eternal generation of the Son from the Father. And you might call this movement of love sort of a self-sacrificial love, self donating love, self-gift. In many ways you can describe it, but it's sort of a going out of oneself for the sake of another. And as human beings, we will never be fulfilled in our life if we do not live self-sacrifice. This is a necessary component for us to, to find fulfillment and stuff. We must go out of ourselves for another. And I think this, this is probably the movement of love I going to describe that's sort of the most obvious to us. Um, and yet in the world today um, so many people maybe even without realizing it buy into the idea that for me to be happy and be fulfilled I have to sort of like just think about myself all the time <laughs> I have to just do things you know sort of collect different sources of happiness to grasp at this, to grasp at that um, it doesn't work it doesn't work we have to sacrifice ourselves um, in order to be Uh, fulfilled. II's document, Gaudium et Spes, has a line that that John Paul II would quote in almost every single document that he wrote, which is that, um, man only discovers himself in a sincere gift of self. He would quote that constantly, man only discovers himself in a sincere gift of self right? We need, to, we need to remember this. And I give a little hint on how to sort of practically maybe put this into effect a little bit, um, which is do your best throughout the day to, to keep tabs on your thoughts and ask the question you get to the end of the day, how much were my thoughts centering around me and how many of my thoughts At the Son returning his love to the Father, there are kind of two pieces here that that we need to imitate to be fulfilled as as human beings. The first is that we have to to be willing to receive love from God and others. This is the first thing that the Son does is he receives the love of his Father. And it sounds pretty simple, but there's actually a, a big part of our hearts that due to Christ acknowledge that like certain things in our life are pure gift
1: we want to stay wrapped up in this sort of logic of i have to earn everything i have to do everything myself
0: right this is definitely sort of an american mindset and we have to escape from this we have to escape from this so we have to we have to sort of put ourselves into a mode of receptivity particularly with god and just sort of acknowledge and gratefully receive everything that to us. This is very important. Um, last year, right before COVID started, I had the chance to travel with a few friends to, to Paris, uh, France. And we were staying with this kind of community of young adults that do street evangelization. We're sort of kind of checking it out. And, and I, we went out a couple nights into Paris. This literally like two weeks before COVID, like everything shut down, so it's very Somehow the, the conversation ended up moving towards um, just the idea of love. Like, is love necessary for the human person? And the, the the person I was with asked this guy the question, something along the lines of, "Do you feel like you, you know, to be happy that you need to be loved by another person?" And this guy's response kind of blew me away. He was just with with total conviction. He was like. Know, to be loved by another person, to, to be happy. I think I can, I can be happy just sort of on my own. I don't, I don't need to sort of receive love from another person. And it's a very, very sort of shocking response, um, very sad. Um, obviously, it's not true. <laughs> we do need love from others. Um, we, we need love from God just to exist, much less to be fulfilled and, and happy. If He ceased loving us for a moment, we would <laughs> we would cease to exist, right? So, there, I think a lot of people in the, in the world today that, that maybe because they haven't received unconditional love from the, the people in their life, they begin over time to think that that's not really like a necessary component of happiness. And it's, it's tragic. It's, it's, it's tragic. Um, and, and, and we need to remind ourselves as well that, that we have to put ourselves into this posture of, of receptivity. And we need to be willing to allow ourselves to be loved by others too, not only by the Lord. Again, our, our sort of desire to just do it all ourselves, to be self-sufficient, we have to overcome that. Another example of this, a few years ago there was a young married couple that that, that came to talk to me and they were they were certainly sort of in kind of a tough, pretty tough financial situation early on in their marriage. Right? They wanted to be open to life and have lots of children. And I basically were asking the question, like, Father, is our is financial condition at this moment a just reason to postpone having a child at this time? Right? Because the church says that you need a just reason, that's the, the technical language that you want to be taking, you need a just reason to postpone having a child for, for a particular period of time. And they asked me, I feel like, financial situation, like is it is it the just reason? I said, why well, can't I mean, I can't give, you have to discern that yourself of course I can't give you a direct answer but I asked them some questions I said, well like if you were to have a child right now do you have families that would would help you? Like if, if you needed things and you couldn't afford them, like would they would they buy these things for you would they help you and they like, oh, They had to be able to do it all themselves, that for some reason it wasn't okay to ask for help, to receive help, to receive love. We we need to get over our pride that wants to do it all ourselves. We need to be willing to receive love and help from God, first of all, but but also from others as well. We need to to humble ourselves in that way. Um, The other aspect, next one is sort of, the son, he he receives the love from his father, and then he entrusts himself back into the hands of his father. We see this in a very powerful way on the cross, where sort of God the Father leads his son to this ultimate sacrifice, and Jesus, in the midst of terrible pain and suffering, still entrusts himself Vulnerably and completely to his father. He says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit. We have the same desire and need as human beings to be able to entrust ourselves to another person and to trust that they will not let us fall. Obviously, this first of all takes place with God. We have a deep need in our hearts to place ourselves into God's hands and trust that He will not let us fall. We also have this Person, is going to include this desire to be known by them. The only way we can be fully known by somebody else is if we open ourselves up and we, with the words, verbally, reveal to them the fullness of, of, of who we are. Obviously, you don't do this with everybody. You have to use discretion. Right? You're not just going to go blabbing about your, your deepest, darkest secrets on the street corner. But we, we have a, a desire. to In one night hanging out with my three best friends. We had got done playing like three hours of Halo. And after we after we we're after all, all wrapped up with that, like I I sort wanting to do this for a while to tell my friends about something in my life that I was physically ashamed of and that I was struggling with. And I finally got the courage to get it out. And man, like the next 24 hours was like about flat nine right? I, I made myself known in a new way to my friends. They had received that. They still loved me and accepted me. And just being known in that way took the friendship of all four of us to a much deeper level. And so for all of us in our life, we have to overcome our fear, which we all have, of this vulnerability. We need to be willing to expose our hearts to God in prayer. And and, and to the closest people of our life, we won't be fulfilled um, without it. this in our life as human beings is friendship, right? The love of friendship. That when we, with another individual, are self-sacrificial, they receive it and trust themselves to us, and we do the same for them, and it's this sort of circular movement of love, and it's mutual. This develops into the love of friendship, which we all have a desire for and a need for to be fulfilled. But in a special way, I want to highlight for you how this has to first take place with God, and that the concept of friendship with God is, is an absolutely extraordinary thing that I think most of us probably overlook and are not as, as grateful for us as we should be. And the Last Supper, Jesus is talking to his apostles. He says, I no longer call you slaves, for a slave does not know says, I've called you friends because i revealed to you everything I've heard from my Father. Jesus calls the apostles his his friends. God does not only want to be our Lord, our Savior, our teacher, he wants to be our friend, which is a mind-blowing idea. God transcending above everything, totally distinct from his creation, Wants to be your friend and my friend, he pours himself out in self-sacrificial love to us in a way he can say he also takes risks a risk of vulnerability in entrusting himself to us. Right? He gives himself to us in baptism, knowing that with our free will we can we can misuse the grace that he's given to us. He gives himself to us in holy communion, knowing that, that, that we might we might. Pay no attention to the gift that we receive in, in our hearts right? he, he entrusts himself to us in a very vulnerable way because he wants to be our friend right? friendship with God it's an extraordinary thing and so for our part we need to, need to return that right? we need to, to sacrifice ourselves for the Lord and we above all we need to trust we need to place ourselves into the hands of God trusting that because he is who he is, he will not let us fall.